We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome into this edition of the Oxford Exxon Podcast. Chase Farm, Neil McCready. I am in Oxford. Neil is in Hoover, Alabama still as the SC Media Days um, soldier on through uh, through Thursday, I guess. One more day of it tomorrow, ending with Auburn. Notebook on the site at rebelgrove.com. Some more things, including uh, some interviews coming your way in this here podcast. We're going to talk to uh, Mark Passwaters, who covers – Texas A&M for the Rivals.com network. We're going to talk to Brian Haydad. He's a member of Super Talk Mississippi, mostly focusing on Mississippi State. And then uh, then Nick Suss. He uh, got in a Jackson State Dion hype video this morning. I mean, Suss making waves here in the uh, in, in, in the Magic City there for uh, <laughs> for uh, for the Clarion Ledger. So we'll talk to all three of those guys, or at least Neil will. I'll direct and edit the ship as we get through that part. But Neil and I here with you for a little bit prior to uh, – that on a show brought to you every single day by the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. Download the Speed Pass Plus app, take advantage of it. They will take care of you. Hopefully, you will earn some money or, sorry, earn some rewards through the, uh, through the app bonus points that turn into cash rewards for you there at the Oxford Exxon and all Blue Sky locations in Mississippi. And Clark Ford is in Amory, Mississippi, 662 257 1900, Highway 25 South. Let Corey be your truck guy. Let him be your car guy. Let him take care of you. No matter where you're at in the car buying process, give him a shot. You might be surprised. Might get a uh, deal done before you know it. Also, you'll get a quote within 15 minutes in business hours there from Corey and all of our guests. I guess uh, they were in person, but we'll call it from the Raptors Music and Food Hotline. Yep. Uh, guests join us on the Raptors Music and Food Hotline. Raptors Music and Food on the square in Oxford, also in New Albany. And don't forget this weekend, be a great place to spend uh, part of your summer weekend there at Rafters on the Water in Sardis. Frozen margaritas, frozen daiquiris, great waterfront views, all of that Rafters on the Water in uh, Sardis. And don't forget 7SouthTailgating.com, 7SouthTailgating. Get in touch with those guys, whether it's to uh, get pricing on a single game, on a season-long tailgating, the anticipation is the Grove is going to be packed this uh, this fall, and you want to make sure that you have the uh, perfect tailgating setup. And Kyle and the people at Seven South Tailgating will uh, hook you up. Seven South Tailgating dot com. 
So you're eating plant-based pork rinds. Um, I'm going to need some more info here. It says, uh, got them at Trader Joe's here. I'm a big Trader Joe's person, by the way. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. It says seasoned rice and pea snacks. Oh. Plant-based snack rinds. Porkless plant-based snack rinds. Seven grams of protein per serving. Gluten-free, vegan, 130 calories per serving, five grams of fat, uh, seven grams of protein. Okay. Yeah, they're, they're tasty. It's almost kind of like tofu, probably. What, whatever you put on them or season them with is what it tastes like. I would think that's probably true. Washing it down with some delicious core hydration. <laughs> okay. Perfectly balanced pH purified water, man. That, there's my snack for the day. A little healthier than last night when I was just drinking Buffalo Trace. We have two of the stranger snacks right now. We did it without mentioning each other because I was eating our, 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 our buddy Sammy sent some beef jerky. It is majestic alien fresh jerky. It's top secret. It says John Connor's Mesquite Barbecue Seasoned. The, 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 the logo on it is an alien riding a horse on the on, on the beef jerky so i've i've never seen it beyond uh our, our our buddy sammy but nonetheless here we are with our our plant-based pork rinds and our really strange beef jerky i'll try um, not to i'll try not to crunch through the podcast I'll, I'll i'll try to be a good boy yeah i've been guilty of eating ice over the years um while we're doing it it, 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 would, it would crunch pretty good is yeah. uh, is that what happened so we'll get to the interviews in a minute um I don't know about, I guess, storyline today, the Houston Chronicle. Um, you think? Yeah, we'll, we'll lead there. Sure. <laughs> Let's talk Mississippi State I was football. Like, I was like, what the hell is he about to do? Because there's one story. <laughs> I was like, what are we going to do? Talk about Vanderbilt? You did meet Clark Lee today. Uh, I did. I met Clark Lee. I, uh, I you immediately to- felt sorry for Clark Lee. I mean, it was. It was I did. Was so- I did. And and I I talked to <laughs> yeah it seems like a really nice guy I was like God you're such a nice guy to be throwing your career away um, talked to Ross Bjork today in person for a while nice to visit with Ross had I had I waited 15 minutes I would have been able to get Ross's reaction to this story I didn't know the story was coming out I was in the car actually talking to you yeah when it, when it broke it's funny I will say this. I have heard some rumblings about this over the years, and then again, again recently, and I happened to sort of ask Mark Passwaters about it. Mark covers Texas A&M for Rivals, so you'll get his thoughts on Oklahoma and Texas um, and what Texas A&M might think. And I will go ahead and tell you, and I'm, I'm, I'll let you set the story up again, what, what uh, Mark said pretty much mirrors what Ross said. I went asked about it today. But anyway, go ahead. So they've been reached out toward the SEC for Texas and Oklahoma potentially uh, joining the league, leaving the uh, the Big 12. I mean, it feels like, it wouldn't feel like it's almost 10 years since the, re- the really kind of last big swing there. 10 years uh, to the day. 10 years to the day, Chase, since the Texas A&M president at the time, maybe he's still the president, I don't know. The Texas A&M president said that the Big 12 felt unstable. So the University of Texas and the University of Oklahoma, I'm reading here from the, the, the Chronicle, 
Talked to the Southeastern Conference about the possibility of leaving the Big 12 to join the SEC, adding the Longhorns and Sooners. Obviously, we'd give the SEC 16 schools, leave the Big 12 with just eight. Um, it talks about in here, Houston potentially joining the Big 12 and kind of getting down that, 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 ball, that ball rolling. Were you able to read the whole story? Uh, I'm reading a report from another – like, I thought I was on the Houston Chronicle, and it says according to the Chronicle, but then I'm getting the whole story. So, I think I've got a pretty good bit here. Okay. However, in addition to the conference, we need to be approved by a majority vote of current SEC members, and the Aggies don't necessarily seem keen, seem keen on letting Texas follow them into the conference. Texas A&M Athletic Director Ross Bjork saying that uh, we want to be the only SEC team from the state of Texas. There's a reason why Texas A&M left the Big 12 to stand alone and have our own identity. That is our feeling. Yeah. Um. <laughs> it's about to be a fight, man. Because also in this story, this is Brett uh, Zwinnerman, who's a very good reporter. He, he, he says that an announcement regarding the move, quote, could come within a couple of weeks, end quote. See, that is amazing. Sankey gives a no comment today. The University of Texas um, spokesman said um, – Speculation swirls around college athletics. We will not address rumors or speculation. Well, that's not a denial. That's not a denial. Uh, not even, that's, Fisher, not even, that's not even a, a, a veiled denial. No, Jimbo Fisher says, I bet they would. I'm just worried about A&M. <laughs> uh, Big Ten contract expires in 2023. Pac-12, 2024. This is all TV contracts, by the way. Big 12, uh, 2025, college football with ESPN, college football playoff with ESPN, 2025. And then uh, 2023 is when uh, a lot of the rights go up for the league, for the SEC. So, I mean, dude, here's the problem. Greg Sankey says, I don't have any comment on that speculation. Yeah, that does not mean the speculation is wrong. Not even even a, a minuscule amount of wrong. Anyway, so, go ahead. I'm sorry. I keep interrupting. Can they get a majority vote? That's the question here. Okay, so here's so here's the – That's where we are, honestly. You, no, you're exactly right. I'll answer the question with the question. What would this mean – actually, with two questions. Sure. One, what would this mean from a TV standpoint? Because I would assume the SEC could swing back to ABC and go so. What do you think if we add these two teams and that inventory of games? Because let's, let's be real. From a what that adds standpoint, it lets you realign the league. It lets you set up two eight-team conferences. It lets you completely throw out a lot of this permanent division, uh, permanent other division rival thing that the league, most of the league hates. It refreshes your, your brand. It allows you to sell season tickets at a lot of places now that you couldn't sell them before or were having trouble selling them. Imagine at Ole Miss. Let's just use Ole Miss as the example. We, our crowd is 90-something percent Ole Miss right now. Yeah, Texas and Oklahoma to your schedule every year. Mm-hmm. Hey, Oklahoma's coming to town. Does that make the season ticket package more attractive? Yes. Texas is coming to town. Does that make the season ticket more attractive? More attractive? Yes. There might even be a year where they both come to town. Is that more attractive? You're damn right. If you're Arkansas, for example, you add those two games to your schedule, all of a sudden, I mean, people are, are far more engaged. It goes, but if you're the networks, right? Who you're telling me LSU LSU Texas is not going to a national game virtually every year? Mm-hmm. Oklahoma Alabama, Florida Texas, Oklahoma 
Florida. Well, damn near anybody. I mean, yeah, you know, we just go, well, you're adding two premier brands and one premier program because Texas is not a premier program. Oklahoma is, but Texas has a premier brand. You're adding that brand to the best brand already in college sports. And it's just from yeah, a month. I, I, I don't know the formula. I don't know the equation for exactly the dollars that means. But, yeah, sure, it means more. What I mean, And so the that's where Greg Sankey would have to look at his member institutions and say, look, I get it. I get it, Texas A&M. You, you made the move 10 years ago, and they made fun of you, and now you're laughing at them. It's a ton of money. I get it. But it's got to be a ton of money. Oh, it would have to be so much money that you couldn't turn it down, which makes me wonder if that's already been talked about. I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I'm not sure that I if, – if indeed that's the first Ross has heard of it, I'm stunned. Well, come on. And Ross was under no obligation to tell any more than he told there. A couple of weeks? An announcement within a couple of weeks? That feels too strong, but – that feels really strong, but I've always told you this, Chase, that once you get to a point where, the, the, where you're close enough to the end and the Big 12's dead, the Big 12 is walking dead. At some point, you, it's, worth, it's worth paying whatever to get out and get into the new. Okay, who – A&M's a no no matter what, period. Yes. No matter what. The rumor is A&M, South Carolina, Florida, Kentucky, and somebody else have an unwritten understanding that they vote as a block on these things. Here's my thing, and maybe I'm, I, I, I got to think South about Car- it. South Carolina's the other school. We've only had an hour here, so let me think. We'll, 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 next time we reconvene, I'll have a little more thoughts to it. But <laughs> – all the SEC schools already have a ton of money. They have more money than everybody else in the country for the most part. Okay. You're not catching up in these broadcast deals. You're running past everybody else. Sure. But you're not catching up to Alabama. They're just getting even more, too. The ratios are staying the same in a lot of ways. Sure. And now, look, everybody can get money. Everybody needs money. Everybody can get as much money as you want to. <laughs> How many rich people have you ever met who said, I'm rich enough? I, I know. I have a point, though. Okay. I would – I'm not surprised if anybody – if the top of the league or the middle of the league doesn't want this and votes no from a strictly competitive standpoint. Because is, is that amount of money worth two more losses every year? No. It, college football, we talked about this the other day, is all about counting wins. Getting to playoffs, getting to premier bowl games, and counting wins. Anything that makes that harder better be a hell of a lot of money. I mean, enough money where you go, we can just rain down and build domes. Because otherwise, Alabama, the road's harder. Georgia, the road's harder. Florida's the road harder. Ole Miss, road's harder to 12 if you're trying to get to that 12-team playoff. South Carolina, suddenly, well, now seven's a problem. What about what if I get the really weird schedule one year where I've only got five wins? No, I mean – I'm not saying if I'm Keith Carter, I would vote no, but I'm saying there better be a really, really, really good reason to vote yes because at the end of the day, college football is simply about showing up at the stadium. It's about a product, and, and look, all that, especially with ticket sales where they are, and that's why I'm almost kind of talking this through in my own head while I'm talking to you. 
Sure. But there are also some reasons to say no, and there's some reasons to say yes. I don't know that this is a cinch for anybody to say, yeah, come on board. I don't know what I would do if I had to, if I had to do an answer right now on our Keith Carter. I'd be very torn on yes or no. I'd have to say yes from just the money standpoint. I, I, I just would. I, what, it, what it enables you to do as an athletics program on the streaming money, the TV money, I get the competition and stuff, but I think it lets you – I've told you this for a while. I think when people rank programs, they have a tendency to look at just wins and losses and stuff. I, I already – people do this deal about where would Lane Kiffin go, okay? Like Lane Kiffin's going to leave. Where would he go? I'm like, okay, well, there aren't but a handful of jobs in the country where he could go that are a better job than Ole Miss. And people look at you funny. And I'm like, look, Ole Miss is in the SEC, which right now is so superior to everyone else that by being in the SEC, Ole Miss is already a top 20 job. People go, you're insane. I'm like, no, I'm not. This wraps that up. Mm -hmm. Sure. You want to build a new football stadium? Because you probably should. You're going to need money. You're going to gut it and redo a whole side or whatever. I mean, a lot of the money would be right here. Because I think Disney, ABC, whatever, however you want to call that, I think they'd pay out the whatever body orifice you want to refer to. What's the amount extra per year in your mind that would make it worth it? Per school? Sure. Uh, I mean, I, another $30 million. And that feels too high. I don't know that they get that. That feels like a lot. I mean, we're, we're, now we're talking about increasing this thing just because of two schools. And I get it's two huge schools. Don't get it's me wrong. Two huge brands. I get it. But you're talking about more than a 50% jump. Okay, 20 million. What it does for your every brand that you've got, it, it, it again, tickets, TV, streaming, profile. Across, it's just across the board. It's adding, you're adding two massive brands. And it would make it where six SEC teams would make the playoff. I mean, what it does in basketball, you add two very high-profile basketball brands. Sure, yeah. You add two pretty high-profile baseball brands. They're good at everything. I mean, you're just, you're just enhancing everything. You get the Texas-Texas A&M rivalry, which now would be just must-see television. Yeah, I'm in. I mean, watch. I mean, I'd cancel everything else on my schedule to watch that. Because I think they just – they hate each other so much that a gunfight might break out on the damn field. I mean, it would be just must-watch television. Which is why if you're ABC, you're going, we're in. I think you'd make your money back. Yeah, sure. And, and a huge part of this, and you let off with it, and is right, that I kind of was talking myself into as I was giving that little bit of a soliloquy, is that anything to make those season ticket packages look better, anything to get more people back into the stadium, anything to make it more of an event, that's huge right now. Huge. Because even just keeping the same money is kind of a problem at the moment. Nevertheless, increasing the money. Um, because season ticket sales everywhere, not just Ole Miss, not even the SEC, just period, they're down. Of course. For myriad reasons. So I mean, there's, I just a lot of, 
there's a lot here. I mean, I've been waiting for this story for years. I've, I've talked about these two schools for years. I've heard for years that the, the SEC wanted to add a duo and they wanted one of two duos, and this is one of them, and the other one that I've always heard, and everyone will deny this because there's no reason to affirm it, right, or to confirm it. I've always heard the other one was North Carolina and Virginia to go up the eastern seaboard. Well, this is bigger than that. And this is bigger than that. I mean, those North Carolina, Virginia gives you – What that meant was everybody thought you would just eventually get to 16 anyway, and that was your kind of worst-case scenario, 16. You get, well, some, you get an academic program. You know what I mean? You get some stuff. Well, look, Chase, here's the deal. Let's take the SEC out of it for a minute. If you're Texas and Oklahoma, are you re-upping a Big 12 deal right now? Oh, God, no. So you're leaving. So where are you going? Yeah. I mean, you sell your house. You got to move to a new house unless you're going to go homeless. So you sell your house. You move to a new – where are you going? You going to the Pac-12 right now? If you're Texas, are you going to the Pac-12 right now? The loser in this is Oklahoma State. Well, yeah, they're they're in Baylor and Texas Tech, and yeah. Oh, look, I mean, look, there's plenty we don't know. We don't know where this thing's headed, but I mean, it, it's it's headed somewhere. And whether the two weeks thing is right or not, it's headed somewhere incredibly fast. That's what we know. Um, it, because look, if it's going to get done, it has to. I mean, not has to, but it's probably getting done in the next six weeks. Right? Well, now that this is out, yeah, things move. Before opening day? Yeah, now that this is out, things move. Um, this is, unless the, listen, unless the Big 12 can somehow get away to, to now ex- redo their contract and extend it out to 2035 or something, this is the end. Yeah. And so how many years can you be a dead, dead league? One, two, you give any credence to a Texas-Oklahoma power play here trying to make the Big 12 do something or 10 things? Like what? I don't know. I'm just asking. I mean, sure. I mean, listen, I mean, for the sake of this conversation, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to give credence to anything. But then I have to weigh it and say, what, why? So let's, let's, let's play that out for a minute. Your Texas, your Oklahoma. I think people – this isn't a criticism of you, Chase, at all, because you could end up being completely right, okay? Yeah, I, do think, I do think that there is a tendency – and I'm trying to think about – if you can see this, I'm like literally closing my eyes, rubbing my head, trying to figure out how to say this. There's a tendency to get overly focused on competition. Sure. There, are people that, there are people that say, well, Texas and Oklahoma, they can dominate the Big 12 forever, and the way that the playoff is done – yeah, but that league's not good. That league's not that league's not attractive. The SEC's sexy. Like you look around the SEC for a minute, okay? Let's let's, let's do this little exercise. Take your fan card and put it down. Let's look at the SEC objectively. Sure. LSU's kind of sexy. They always have been. Night games in Death Valley. All that stuff. Fair. Yeah, of course. Ole Miss is kind of hot. Big attracts lots of out of state kids. Um, when they win, they're really fun. The league is the league's kind of fun when Ole Miss is good. Like right now with Lane Kiffin and stuff, Ole Miss is kind of sexy. Um, Mississippi State has that unique thing with the cowbell and stuff. They just won a baseball national championship. Sure. Um, 
I don't know that Arkansas is particularly sexy, but they're there. They're fine. Like, Arkansas is more attractive than Kansas State, for example. Right? Oh, well, Arkansas would be the third or fourth most attractive team in the Big 12. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, of course. So, so and then you go, obviously, Alabama is sexy as hell. Auburn, Florida, Northern. Georgia. Tennessee's kind of sexy, even when they suck two decades in a row. They're, they're, they're bad fun. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, Vanderbilt's boring. Missouri's boring. South Carolina's kind of boring. Kentucky's an elite, sexy basketball program that resonates worldwide for that sport. I mean, you gonna stay in the Big 12? For what? So that you can continue to play Texas Tech and Baylor and Kansas State and I mean, I mean, no matter what Matt Campbell and Iowa State does, it's never going to be sexy. No one's ever going to go, hey, Iowa State's on TV. Woo, here we go. I mean, no one's going to do that. It, it just – at some point – now, if you told me Texas stubbornly goes, we're not going to do this. Okay, sure. But Oklahoma is not going to – Oklahoma would not go to the Big 12. I mean, to the, to the Pac-12. Is Oklahoma going to get in the Big 10? They don't fit in the Big 10 culturally. I've long said Oklahoma fits culturally in the SEC. Oh, Oklahoma fits more culturally in the SEC than 10 programs in the league, frankly. Um, Missouri does. Well, yeah. And people, and people that do this thing about Missouri's going to leave, Missouri's smart enough to count money. They're not leaving. <clears throat> And so if you go to 16 teams, you can do pods, you can do a lot of different stuff. It all comes down to money, and I think it adds a lot of money. And if, but if you're, if you're Oklahoma and Texas and you're weighing your options, what are your options? No, and if you look, if it's going to 16 and the SEC knows eventually this thing's at 16, then you go get the best who you can find. Well, if we, if we have to go to 16 anyway, then great. I mean – Yeah, I mean, and so – Look, you're, I mean, and, and listen, there will be absolute pushback against Texas from A&M. And A&M might, if the coalition is true, the commissioner is going to have work to do. But my, my guess is, is if, and I, I could be right. He I can find wrong. the votes. He can find eight votes. Well, I mean, he'd have to put the money in front of him where he goes, look. Because right now, I mean, you, you – you get all 14 CFOs in the league in a room. But there are a lot of Tums in that room. A lot of Maylocks. A lot of Pepto-Bismol. People going, hey, we got bills to pay and we don't have the money to pay it. We just had to take an, ad, an advance on, on TV money from the next contract. I mean, just to get through this COVID thing. We're not – we haven't navigated our way through this COVID thing yet. I mean, it, people – I told you, everyone keeps going, quit talking about COVID. And if you stand in a room with SEC people, and I have for the last three days – you can't go five minutes without somebody talking about COVID. It is the topic before this. Sure. So you don't know that you're going to be able to completely navigate your way through this season without limiting attendance or, or losing games. I asked Ross Bjork today, they lost a game. They lost a home game. I said, how much money did you lose on that game when Ole Miss couldn't come there? And Originally, A&M couldn't play. And then the second time, Ole Miss couldn't play. And the game got canceled. They lost $7 million. So you don't know what's coming down the road on, on the pandemic. I just, I, it's fascinating. It really, it's, it's always, I've always thought we were going to go to 
kind of four 16-team leagues. I've always thought there was going to be a Power 5 breakaway. I've always thought these – like, I'm, I'll make fun of my alma mater. These Louisiana Monroe at Auburn games were going to go the way of the dinosaur. Yeah, sure. I, I, the TV people spend so much money, and they don't want crap. Why did this leak today, in your opinion? Oh, that's a great question. I hadn't even thought about it. Um, SEC Media Days week, max exposure, everybody in one place. That's probably why. You get a bunch of no comments from people who could easily shoot it down and didn't. Not one person, even Ross, has said, no, that's crap. No, no. Everybody no commented. It's been buzzing for a while. Frankly, Chase, it's been buzzing for years. Here's the thing, too. What do you do? Do you play out the athletic year and then just start it next football season? Yeah, it's a great question. I don't know the answer to that. I'd, I'd have to talk talk, to talk talk about a rough, lamed up situation for some folks. Oh, well, that's what I was saying a minute ago. I mean, I think you could do one year as a dead league, maybe two. Nah, you could do one and you've just got to fill it. The Big 12 suddenly becomes Houston and – Take your pick of American teams. You giving an automatic bid to that league then? I mean, hell, Memphis almost got into the Big 12 at one point. Are you giving an automatic bid to that league? Mm -mm. No. So it's dead. I mean, look, you could make the argument if they're, you're the American that you could be better off hanging out there. Sure. I don't know that it's a great argument, but you I'm can make the argument. If I'm the Pac-12 today and I read this article, I'm looking at the rest of the Big 12 and saying, who could I poach? Yeah, how do I get to 16? I mean, I'm, I'm now looking at Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Baylor, I guess, Kansas. I'd, I'd want Kansas. I'd, I'd want Kansas for the basketball. Well, I mean, at this point, you might want Baylor for the basketball. Yeah, sure. I mean, I mean the Big 12's options here – from an, it may not get geography, it doesn't mean Jack anymore. But the Big 12's options, I mean, this is rough. Are <laughs> Houston's the, the, the easy one. Look, it's ugly, but they're the easy one. Sure. Tulsa. Oh, stop. TNU, no. Tulane. Chase. I, I mean, where, where, are you, where are you pulling people in? You got eight members, you got to add at least four. Because you're going to add. You don't need to go to 10 again. You need to go to 12. No, I think you're wrong. I think the Big 12 doesn't add. I think they just expire. You think it just dies? No. Let me, let me rephrase this in case I missed it the first time. I think it's already dead. Yeah, sure. They just haven't pulled the plug. <laughs> it's over. It's been over. They can't price in North Texas. They can't match the monies. No. I mean, no, what I'm saying is that I, if, I'm, if I'm Texas Tech today, I'm picking up the phone call in the Pac-12. Hey, you guys. How about a Texas branch? Yeah. You guys interested at all? If I'm Kansas, I'm gone. I'm calling the Pac-12 and I'm, I'm, we want to join. Yeah. After I call the Big Ten and they tell me no. Yeah, I call the Big Ten first, and if they tell me no, and they might tell you yes now. Yeah. 
Yeah, if you're the if you're the if you're the Big Twelve Northern teams, especially, you call the Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're Iowa State and goes, hey, how about an Iowa State Iowa rivalry? Huh? Sure. I mean, programs like Iowa State get screwed. Yeah. Man. If you're the ACC, do you try to branch out now? What do you do? I mean, sure. You got to try to compete with this from a money standpoint. I mean, for the ACC, I at least go try to take, like, West Virginia, who's in my footprint. Absolutely. Heartbeat. And they would they would jump. Because West Virginia's wanted in the SEC. That's not a secret. Yeah, Oklahoma, Iowa State, Texas, Oklahoma State, West Virginia, TCU, Kansas State, Texas Tech, Baylor, Kansas. It's just not particularly viable. It's not particularly sexy. There's nothing about it. If you're Oklahoma, do you want to play West Virginia every every year or do you want to play Auburn? Mm-hmm. It's not about winning. It's about money. Well, Boy, the, SEC, the SEC would be a booger bear, though. Woo. Oh, good God. My God. <laughs> I mean. Somebody's – you either do a pod or somebody's got to move. I think you would do pods, I guess. I don't know. The game schedule thing works. With the pods? Yeah. Yeah. Play your pod, another pod, and then rotate a game. Yeah. Which means you play everybody over a four-year period. Yeah. Which, from a ticket standpoint, is just sexy as hell. It's pretty good. Every player during their four years will play every other team in the conference. Do you have a conference semifinal plus a conference final, or do you just take the top two teams? Ah, semifinal would be sexy, but – Yeah. Now here's your problem, though, is now you're talking about having to win – because championships do still matter. There'll be some ADs that won't like this. Sure. You'd have to win four games more than you'd like. Yeah. Some of a ninth game, a semifinal, a final. I think you would just take the top two teams. Yeah. Because the odds are they they wouldn't come out of the same pod. Yeah, sure. But then you got two teams over here going, hey, we're – they, but they, in a 12-team playoff, they'd still make it. That's true. Yeah. That's a good point. No, that's what the SEC would do with the pods. They'd set it up for basically all four of their pod winners to get in. Sure. And then two wild cards. They'd have half the league, half the playoff. Yeah. <laughs> which is more money. Yeah. Which is more money. Which yeah. is why Greg Sankey's going, yeah, guys, money. I mean, his response to virtually every protestation would be, yeah, but money. Yeah. Do you like that check you get every year? Okay, yeah. cool. Yeah. Hey, Texas A&M, you know, we've been giving you that check every year, and you never turn it down. You never send any of it back. Yeah. It's fascinating. Oh, it's, it's, it's that for sure. It's, uh, All right. So, you talked to Passwaters before or after this? Before, but I asked him about it because you know me. I, I asked. I actually was thinking about it. 
because I don't, I've told you I've heard some buzz for the last several months. All right, so be aware of the, the buzz that I'd heard so that you know is out of Oklahoma. I'd heard buzz out of Oklahoma. I know some people sure. in OKC and I'd heard a little buzz and not enough to talk about it or write about it or anything. But if you've been following this podcast for 10 years, I've long said that off and on that I thought Oklahoma would join the SEC when the grant of rights ended. I've never wavered from that. And so I asked Passwaters about it. and He gave he will give you a very Texas A&M answer. But before you scoff at it, that will be his, – his answer will be the same answer that Texas A&M's administration has, and it will be one of the, the roadblocks for Greg Sankey to get past if, if this is – mostly true and I suspect that it probably is yeah so be aware all three interviews happened prior to uh, the Houston Chronicles report about Oklahoma and Texas joining the league so we'll pick up bills then we'll uh, bring you three different interviews coming up again uh, Brian Haydad talking Mississippi State Passwaters and then Nick Suss detailing uh, his Dion situation some Ole Miss stuff and more coming up on the show so uh, stay locked in for that and we'll be right back the Oxford Exxon Podcast is brought to you in part by Game Changer Patch Company. Game Changer Patch Company developed their own custom blend for treating hangovers several years ago to help reduce dehydration, prevent sleep deprivation, and help process alcohol. Game Changer Patches are the only two-patch system available in the market. The warm-up patch is used before or while you drink, and the overtime patch is used after you have been drinking and while you sleep. Game Changer Patches are based on the science of preventing hangovers, to include the highest quality ingredients sourced by the reputable manufacturers in the United States and the UK. They research the potent ingredients that include enzymes, nutrients, vitamins, and minerals that are effective in protecting your liver and metabolizing alcohol to stop hangovers before they start. They believe in the potency, effectiveness, and the science of Game Changer so much that they patented them. So try them for yourself at GameChangerPatch.com. Enter promo code REBELGROVE20 at checkout for 20% off your purchase. We're also brought to you by ACS, Automation and Control Systems, LLC, in Baldwin, Mississippi. They're a complete electrical control solutions provider and a Rockwell Automation Recognized System Integrator. ACS has a full-service um, emergency service and troubleshooting staff, and a UL508A panel service and panel shop. They can custom tailor software packages, custom design electrical control panel solutions, and much more. ACS is a full-service AutoCAD services provider and a full-service fiber optic cabling solution provider. So if you're in need of custom HMI and SCADA solutions or large horsepower VFD specialist, ACS has you covered. ACSLLCMS.com or 662-601-4381. Football season right around the corner with the Oxford Park Commission. They've added two new age groups to their flag football lineup for the fall. So leagues are open 6 to 14. The cost is $50 per player. It's OxfordParkCommission.com for more details. And don't forget fall baseball is going. Uh, the deadline to sign up is July the 25th. The uh, leagues will be ages 6 to 15. The season runs September 15th to October 20th at M-Trade Park. Again, the cost $40 per player. Same thing for fall softball. Uh, girls ages 5 to 12. And again, you can register through July the 25th at OxfordParkCommission.com. Also brought to you by Pinpoint 
commercial real estate based out of Jackson. They service the entire state in all commercial asset classes such as retail, office, industrial, and land. Sam Cox and B.B. Mitchell are Ole Miss graduates, and they utilize their unique skill sets to execute on assignments and increase value for their clients. To get in touch with those guys, it's Sam and B.B. at 601-586-3220. Blue Delta Jeans makes the best fitting, most comfortable jeans in the world because they are uniquely made for you and only you. They're hand ta- handcrafted in Tupelo, Mississippi. Raw denim jeans, custom fit, one size fits one at bluedeltajeans.com. There's no reason for you to delay uh, getting your new Blue Delta Jeans, so go to their bl- virtual tailor at bluedeltajeans.com. You can be measured and design your newest jeans in just a couple of minutes. And Blue Delta will make sure that you're looking great for that first kickoff of football season in September. Podcast listeners can get 10% off your purchase using the code REBELGROVE at bluedeltajeans.com or in the Oxford studio. It's a great time of year to get a pair of Blue Delta's cotton genos in the works. So don't miss out. We're also brought to you by Grenada Nissan. If you're in the market for a Nissan vehicle, Grenada Nissan's the place to go. They've got a complete selection of new and previously owned Nissan vehicles. Great lease deals as well at GrenadaNissanUSA.com. Also brought to you by Lamons Fine Jewelry. Lamons at 1126 North Lamar Boulevard in Oxford. They've been serving the Oxford area for almost 75 years. Engagement rings, wedding rings, fine jewelry, watches, pearls, fashion jewelry, children's jewelry, and more. It's the gold standard in fine jewelry. So visit them at LamonsFineJewelry.com or call them at 662-234-2777. Also brought to you by Comer Heating and Air. It's a name you can trust with more than a half century of professional HVAC experience in Oxford, Tupelo, and the surrounding area. 662-801-1777 for Comer Heating and Air. And we're brought to you by the College Corner. It's your one-stop rebel shop. They've got the uh, largest selection of Rebel gear in central Mississippi. Two locations in the Jackson area in Ridgeland. It's next to Fleet Feet in Flowood. The College Corner is next to Half Shell. You can also go to thecollegecornerstore.com and find them on Facebook and Instagram. We're joined by sports writer Nikki. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, Nick Suss, uh, Clarion Ledger, kind enough to uh, to join us. You created quite the firestorm yesterday. I know that you've wanted to talk about it all day long, so here's your opportunity. Pass. <laughs> <laughs> what a crazy story. You've done the right thing by keeping your mouth shut about it. We've, we've all had fun with it. Um, you were here yesterday for Lane Kiffin. Yep. I was here. You and I were uh, asking probably the lion's share of the questions. It's I know you've only been on the beat a few years. It's as relevant for football reasons as I can remember Ole Miss being in a long time. How is it different for you this time covering Ole Miss than when Matt Luke was here in 19 when they were just sort of an afterthought? Yeah, I mean, I think every question in 19 was either why did you hire coordinators who are more experienced than you or are you off probation yet? I haven't been following. Is it is it done yet? I think it might be done. What's your scholarship count at? This year there's genuine questions about like the health of a running back that four years ago no one nationally is worried about is Ole Miss's running back healthy but now it's yeah I mean people care about this offense the defense is still a bit of an afterthought but Lane Kiffin's revitalized it to a point that I mean you know as well as anybody people actually want to talk about the product on the field and not the Grove or Hugh Freeze's past or any of that stuff they want to talk about is this team going to keep scoring 40 points a game and if so can I watch 
I get a lot of questions, I know you do too, about Lane Kiffin. Yeah. People have this perception of Joey Freshwater and Lane Kiffin Twitter as being Lane Kiffin. And the more we get around him now that the, the, the coverage portion of pandemic has sort of subsided a bit, it's very clear he's not that yeah. guy. The real Lane Kiffin is when we were at the Rebel Road Trip stop a couple of weeks ago, and all of us are interviewing Kermit Davis facing one direction, and Lane is standing behind us, and it's Lane's turn to interview, and he walks around us and stands where Kermit was instead of asking us to turn around. And I say, Lane, we could have turned around, and he stares me dead in the eyes and says, yeah, you could have. <laughs> That's him. There's a bit of snark. There's a bit of bite. But he's really just, yeah, you could have. Yeah. I'm here. Uh, and, I mean, yesterday, I think you'd agree, at the podium was the most vibrant we've seen him since he got the Ole Miss job. He was really leaning into the personality. And I know he knows when to turn it on. And he turned it on yesterday. I think he- I think the Tebow question actually was was one he was not kind of yeah. expecting. And, and he, after that, he kind of he got loose. into it. He, he got loose. And that was cool to see. But, I mean, even when we were talking to him upstairs just the beat guys he was loose he was happy you can tell there's a confidence heading into this season that maybe wasn't there last year because he didn't know his team yet I mean we were talking to him first day of camp last August and I genuinely believed him when he said yeah I don't know what I have I don't know what this team's gonna be yet now he knows what the team's gonna be and it seems like there's a reason to have that sort of confidence there's a lot of coin flips that have to fall in his favor for this to be the team that follows through on those expectations to win nine games to get to that 10th win that almost seems to never be able to get to but those coin flips are there which isn't something that we could have said about this team last year or two years ago or before that you went down to Thibodeau um, you did spend some time with Matt Corral I know you did some other things too I'm gonna ask you about those in a minute but you've been around Corral a good bit this summer more than I was just yesterday and I was struck by Matt's confidence yesterday there just a, it's a quiet confidence he's a, really matured a lot um I guess I'm going to get you to sort of elaborate on that. You've spent some time with him where you're pretty comfortable with him. I think he's very comfortable with you. What have what have you sensed from him this year as opposed to maybe going into the past couple of years? I think I'd forgotten that he actually brought up to us yesterday was just how much of the narrative going into last year was why didn't you transfer? We, yeah. we forgot that completely. That We pressed him on that, and we should have pressed him on that because in this era, most quarterbacks in his situation would have left. And I know the coaching change made things different, but for the most part, he would have been justified to leave. And the fact that he doubled down, and we talked to him so much last year about how Elijah Moore helped change him and how he became this hard worker. And I think he knows now Elijah's not there. He needs to be the guy. And the thing he talked about so much in Thibodeau and so much yesterday was bringing guys along with him. This idea of if I'm working, that only takes us so far. Everybody needs to work as hard as me. And maybe it's smoke. I don't think it's smoke. I think this is a guy who genuinely realized around June or July of last year that he has talent and he doesn't want to waste it. And that's admirable that he was 20 at the time. Maybe he had just turned 21 and he realizes, oh no, if I put in the effort, sky's the limit for me. And we saw last year that when he's on, he's great. And and I know there were two bad games. I would even say that LSU game was weirder than it was bad. It was a half of a bad game and a half of a great game. It was an absolutely weird game where you don't have Elijah, you don't have Yaboa, Braylon gets hurt, Jerrion gets hurt, and Matt says, I'll do everything myself. And he kind of did. He ran for, what, 130 yards or something in that game? 
and that's the maturation. That's the guy who isn't forcing stuff, isn't trying to make stuff work. He's just saying, I'm going to play football. Because I remember the Rich Rod year, his first year as a starter, his first four games, the thing we would always talk about was, this man needs to play in a scheme. He needs to stop improvising. He needs to stop like pretending he knows better than the other ten guys. Now he's there, and that's why he's probably a preseason third-team, fourth-team All-American quarterback right now. Yeah, the game that always strikes me is the bowl game because yeah. he didn't have those guys you just yeah. mentioned. And so it's Chase Rogers and, and, and Kelly and, and John Rice Plumley and yeah. Snoop Connor, And they were still a pretty dynamic offense, and it was because Matt played such a clean game. Yeah, I, I liked that bowl game. I was – I don't know why I made that trip, <laughs> but I did make that trip. And just watching it from there, I'm doing pregame warm-ups. I'm watching the pregame warm-ups. It, we all know Ely's not going to play. We all know Braylon Sanders isn't going to play. But just the demeanor he has when, oh, maybe these guys are testing it. Maybe they won't. I know what I have. And the defense played well that game, and the offensive line blocked, and you can't give it purely to Corral. And honestly, if you're picking an MVP from that game, Corral might have been the third or fourth best player Ole Miss had on the field that day. But he kept it all together. And and if the quarterback needs to be that glue guy, he needs to be the person that makes sure everything doesn't crumble from within, I think Matt's embraced that that trait. It's been a terribly kept secret, but... Uh, Kiffin talked about it yesterday publicly for the first time. They're going to move Jerry and Ely around. They're going to use him all over the field. What do you sort of expect there? I've been saying it for months, and you've been saying it for months, but he's probably the best slot receiver they have. And I wholeheartedly believe he's the best running back they have, but their second best running back is a heck of a lot better than their second best slot receiver. And I wouldn't be shocked if we see plays where Jerion Ely is like a Matt Canada-style zoom back, that he's in motion every play. You just can't keep track of him. Because the line on Kiffin that anyone who's listening to this has probably heard me say a dozen times, he doesn't have a scheme. He identifies his best player and gets him as many touches as he possibly can. This isn't going to be a team that runs last year's offense and says, okay, Jerion, go be Elijah. This is going to be an offense that if Lane has deemed Jerion as his best weapon, it's going to be built around his strengths. He'll be in the backfield, he'll be in the slot, he'll be in the shotgun, he'll be in the pistol, he'll do what he can, and Snoop Connor will be the power back, and I think Henry Parrish is a really good player. You're talking to the guy that has the severe man crush on him, yeah. And so you have these guys who are going to be able to help him out, and I know it was a weird spring. Kentrell Bullock looked pretty okay. I thought so too. He looked pretty okay. You're going to have depth at running back, which frees you up to say, you put Braylon on the outside, you put Mingo on the outside, you put Dontario Drummond on the outside, you hope one of these freshmen can hit. But if Ely needs to play receiver, and if John Rice needs to play receiver, let him do that, because you have the flexibility at running back. Obviously, Plumlee played a huge role in the Outback Bowl, five catches, I think 70 yards or something. That's not really, the, the stats don't really matter. The fact that he did it, and did it effectively, and I think he said, hey, I can do this. Yeah. And and now there's no quarterback controversy and all of that. How effective do you think he can be? Kiffin clearly loves the guy, the, yeah. the human being, so he's going to try to get him to succeed. Do you think it works? Whatever John Rice Plumlee does in his life is going to work in some capacity. <laughs> like, I don't know if it's on the football field, the baseball diamond, professional capacity. It's going to work. He's too talented and charismatic not to find a way to make things work. I don't know if he's a full-time receiver just because 
gosh, I'm still beating the drum that I don't believe that much in King K. Dent and Luke Altmaier yet. I still think you need to hedge and have John Rice take a few reps a week as your backup quarterback, just in case. Because if Corral goes down, this team has nothing. Unless Altmaier takes a major jump, or unless King K. Dent takes a major jump that I didn't see in the spring. And you were there. You were at the scrimmage as I was. Those guys didn't look comfortable, and they didn't have any weapons. They were walking with walk-ons and six-string receivers. I get it. Their balls didn't look too crisp. They, they didn't look like they were throwing that well. So I still think John Rice might need to hedge and play a little bit of quarterback. But if he can touch the ball six times a game, you run it twice, you catch it four times, or vice versa, the team's better because of it. I want to get to other quarterbacks in a minute, particularly one named Manning, but first I'll get your thoughts on defense because you're right, we all talk offense. Everyone talks offense. We ask Lane about offense, but this season the difference between nine wins or seven wins or whatever is going to come down to the defense. What, what are you expecting there? If Ole Miss has the 70th best defense in America, this is a team that should be ranked towards the end of the season. They'll, they'll pile up wins if their defense is average. And the question is, does depth matter as much as we say it does? This is going to be such an interesting case study of a year because we've been writing it for four years. Oh, the main effect of the probation isn't you're losing to star players. It's you're losing the second-string players and the third-string players. This defense finally has that now. There's no question that your third-string defensive back is better this year than he was a year or two ago. And we talked to Jalen Jones yesterday. I had to ask him point blank, are you a corner or a safety? Yeah. Where do you play? Because he's moved so much. Now he just says, oh, we're, we're finally good at safety. I'm a corner. And you look at that safety room, you got A.J. Finley, who I think is the best player on the defense. You have Otis Reese and Jake Springer, who are two of the better players on this defense. And then you're looking at John Haynes, who's a fifth-year senior as your fourth guy, and so many other guys who played that rover role, that nickel role, that are all going to move around. I like the secondary's depth. You throw in a Taishim Johnson. You throw in, uh, what's the kid from IMG's name? Brown. Uh, oh, uh, yeah. Markevious Brown. Markevious Brown. You throw in these guys who are young and really have a chance to get reps early, I think they're going to be able to put a lid on the big play problem. I still don't have too much confidence in that front, though. Yeah, that's the part. that You don't know whether the Juco guys are, are going to make that step. You don't know whether Taiwan Malone's going to be ready as a freshman. Is Sam Williams going to be... Which Sam Williams is he going to be? The one that was super effective or the one that was just sort of out there? There's a lot of question marks in the, in the front group. Because if you still have to be the team that relies on Quinton Bivens in the middle you're going to see what happened the last two years. And that's nothing against Quentin. I was using him as an example. There's so many guys, Tariqus Tisdale and some of these other players who have been doing it for four years, and they're good, solid players, but none of them are the one figurehead in the middle that is going to eat space or the one edge rusher who's going to get to the quarterback. They haven't had that one difference maker. And maybe Taiwan Malone can be that. Maybe Isaiah Aiden can be that. Maybe Jamon Gordon can be that. Maybe any number of the, what is it, six freshmen they brought in on the defensive front can be that. And maybe you can disguise some holes when you still have Lakia Henry and Momo Sonogo and now Chance Campbell behind you. Those guys are good. But, yeah, the defensive front is still the question mark for me. We opened with Thibodeau. We'll finish with Thibodeau. You were down there. I know that uh, you talked to Archie. You talked to Cooper. You talked to Eli, all that stuff. I don't think they made Arch available to media. But what was the buzz around him? Did you get to see him throw at all? What did you see? And then when you talk to people about his decision that's 
probably a year or so away, maybe a little less than that. What kind of feel did you get? I mean, the buzz is palpable. There's no ignoring it. When I went to the Manning Academy in 2019, Arch was a rising freshman, and everyone was like, do you know there's another Manning here? Do you, you know, we've, we've all known. I think there's like a calendar that sports fans have that's like, okay, this Manning has his 12th birthday. This Manning has like her 10th birthday. Maybe she'll be a quarterback. You never know. But talking to Cooper about it, Cooper was asked pretty directly, what is Arch looking for? And Cooper said, Arch likes football. He wants to get in with an offensive coordinator, talk about scheme, talk about quarterback play, watch some film, break down some film, show how he fits, show how everybody else would fit around him. He's a football junkie at this point. He's not there for the tradition or the, well, we've produced these three quarterbacks or, well, this could be your major or any of that stuff. He's there to talk, how am I going to play football at this school? And we all know we're, what, four days, five days at this point from him coming to Oxford? Yeah, going to be there next week. And what he'll meet there is he'll probably talk to Lane Kiffin, he'll probably talk to Jeff Levy, and he'll probably talk to Matt Corral about playing quarterback. And I asked Cooper, is it weird for you having a son considering Ole Miss and having to stay neutral? And he said, I had pretty good mentors on this. Archie and Olivia have talked him through it, talked him how to – be engaged in this recruiting process but I mean you got a feel for Cooper in one sense his name is on the building they're going to be walking into but yeah Arch is Arch is interested in football and you guys listening to this watch enough Ole Miss to know Kiffin's got to sell for quarterbacks but we'll see how it works out did you get a feeling at all from talking to them about where Ole Miss stood or didn't stand? Not really. I think that, I mean, Cooper said he's just never really met Lane. They've seen each other in passing. But this will be the first time that the family is truly sitting down and giving Ole Miss the full presence of mind. Or maybe Cooper's holding his cards close to the vest. But as far as I know, from what Cooper said and just from hearing Archie talk about Arch and hearing Eli, it's... It seems like right now Arch's number one focus is getting as good as he can at playing quarterback. And number two is talking to people about how good he can be at quarterback. The telling detail, Cooper said Arch has gotten to the class level of Peyton 202. He's not at Peyton 101 anymore. He's graduated to sophomore level Peyton Manning classes. So if you want that sort of hype, there's your hype. Nick, thanks as always. Yeah, happy to do it, Neil. Mark Passwaters covers Texas A&M for Rivals.com. It's AggieYell.com is the actual domain. If you uh, want to check out that, the latest in Aggie coverage. Mark, how are you? I'm doing good. How about you, Nick? I'm great. Um, so let's talk about A&M a little bit because it's kind of the team that everybody's talking about them, but everyone talks about Alabama so much. Then there's a lot of focus on what happens third through fifth with Ole Miss and LSU and Auburn, and it's just sort of a given that Texas a and that number two team in the West. Is that where you're putting them? Yeah, that's where I put them. I've already got my uh, preseason picks in, and I put them second. I think that uh, Alabama's the king until somebody knocks them off. And looking at how things shape up, with schedules and all that, AM is the team most likely to have that shot. Jimbo's been there a while now. He's completely rebuilt the roster. He's recruited at the level that people thought he would recruit. Took a minute. Fans lose patience sometimes, but here they are with this loaded roster. Is What are the strengths, and is there a weakness or two that, that you're sort of watching to see if they can rectify? 
Well, A&M fans are happy because the strength is the defense. This is one of the elite defenses in the country. They're deep pretty much everywhere. Uh, linebacker may be a little bit of a question, but they've got talented guys. It's just a matter of whether or not that talent translates onto the field because they're young. Everywhere else, they're absolutely loaded. DeMarvin Leal is the best player on that defense. He's a potential top five pick next year. If he does what everybody expects him to do and take that step from very good to great. And in the second half of last year, you really started to see that progression take place. Um, so I I'm, I'm feel good about the defense. I'd like to see a little bit more of a pass rush, but I think you're going to have that just from guys like uh, Leal, Michael Clemens, Tyree Johnson, guys who are now upperclassmen who kind of get it, and they have the physical ability to make a pass rush. It's just, you know, let's see it actually happen. They also have a couple of young guys I think could, could help there. The questions really are offensively. Uh, you got to figure out who your quarterback is, though I think it's going to be Haynes King. And they have to revamp that offensive line because four of the five guys that were on that really good line last year are gone. They're in the NFL. Kanyan Green, the All-American, is there, but he's switching positions to left tackle. So that's a little bit of a, a change for him, moving from left guard. And then you got to figure out everybody else. I think that they know who they want to have there, and they probably, you know, things are probably set in spite of the fact that nobody knows their names yet. But you got to get those five guys together and get as many reps as humanly possible between now and September the 4th. So you talked about quarterback. Obviously, Kellen Mond wasn't a superstar in this league, but he, he was a really solid player who I thought, you and I talked about this earlier in the week, I thought he sort of figured out his role and figured out his strengths, figured out his weaknesses, and was pretty damned effective last season. What do you expect the quarterback position to look like, and, and how different will they be without Kellen Mond out there who had developed into a really good game manager? Yeah, I think you just nailed it. Kellen was a very good game manager. He limited mistakes. He handled the offense, made plays when he had to, and everything worked well last season. I think that in terms of scheme, if it's Haynes King, it's going to be very similar because King has a lot of the same attributes. Good, not great arm, but good enough. You can make the throws. Uh, he's accurate. One difference he has is he's got a lot of speed. He's a 4-5 guy. Where Mon was, you know, 4-6, 4-7. So that was good enough where he was one of the more mobile quarterbacks in the league. But you're still taking a step forward in terms of speed with King. Obviously, he's inexperienced, but this is a guy who won a state championship with Longview. Coach's kid, you know, all those attributes. He's got moxie. He commands the huddle well. You know, the, the quote-unquote intangibles. He, he's he got them all. He's got enough height, 6'3". Um, you know, I think that he will be a capable guy and maybe add a few wrinkles because he's certainly going to have more weapons to work with than Kellen did. If it's not King, who is it? It's Zach Calzada. The, uh, uh, he was the backup two years ago. Kid from Georgia. He has a tremendous arm. Uh, you know, some guys say it's the strongest arm they've seen with an A&M quarterback in 20 years. He certainly believes in it. He'll he'll throw balls into tight spaces, but his decision making's kind of iffy. Uh, you know, he's hit or miss with the accuracy, and I, you know as well as anybody that Jimbo likes consistency, and he absolutely will not tolerate mistakes. And I think that unless Calzada, you know, figures these things out, then King is going to be the guy. Obviously, Mark, there's so much focus on that Alabama game. Alabama comes to College Station this year 
game day is going to be there, CBS, all that stuff. It's going to be the super hyped game. Obviously, if A&M wins it, I mean, you're off to the races. Right. If they don't win it, how critical is it that you kind of catch your breath and move on? How, how devastating of a loss would that be if they were to lose it? Well, it, you know, it would suck for, you know, obviously, because there there goes your, probably there goes your shot at winning the SEC West. But you saw last year, they got whipped in Tuscaloosa, but at the end of the day, where were they? They were right on the cusp of the national championship race. They ended up fourth in the country. You know, there was a pretty valid argument that they should have been one of the four teams in the playoffs. Absolutely. Uh, so you've got to just get your footing back and continue on because that's the middle of the schedule. That is literally week six. So you got to get up and keep going. And the schedule works out fairly favorably for them. The two toughest games that they have outside of Alabama are going to Oxford and going to Baton Rouge to end the season. And even if A&M's a one-loss team, going into Baton Rouge almost certainly at night on November 27th is going to be a massive game. You get at implications, you know, not just for the West, but for the national title hunt if LSU recovers the way a lot of people expect. So let's talk about that. What do you see in the rest of the West? We've talked about Alabama being one. We've got A&M two. When you look at those three or four teams after that, sort of how do you see those shaking out? Uh, It's really interesting because this could be the deepest the West has been, at least since A&M has been in the conference. You know, obviously Alabama's coming back a lot of changes, but still loaded. Yeah. The Aggies are as deep as they've ever been. I have a lot of faith in Haynes King. I think he'll get it done. I do know the names of the guys that are going to be up front. I think they'll be capable. They've got really good running game. Uh, Baylor Cup is a guy at tight end that people need to, to learn about. Because if he stays healthy, he and Jalen Widemeyer can cause fits. They're going to have more at wide receiver. You know, LSU, you look at the the stars. Just look at the recruiting numbers. They should be at the top of the country every single year. It's crazy. You know, but then you take a look at the numbers that they had last year offensively, and they were just very subpar. But they have a lot of experience coming back. You know, if Miles Brennan is is able to stay healthy, I like him a lot. Uh, I think they're probably third. But, you know, the one I just can't figure out is the is Ole Miss. How good is that defense going to be? Because they can put up points like a freaking slot machine. Just, you know, pull pull the cord and go. Um, you know, if the defense is capable, they could be right there, you know, third or fourth. Uh, I'm not sold on Auburn at all. If Bo Nix does nothing for me. Uh, Mississippi State, I think they still need a year or two. Uh, but, I mean, Arkansas is a team that everybody immediately puts at the bottom, but Sam Pittman gets those guys, even though they're far less talented than everybody else in, in the division, to play. You know, they play hard for him, you know, all the time. And I think that they're one team that, in spite of the fact I don't think that they're going to be much more than 6-6, six and six, they could trip somebody up and really mess up a season. Yeah, it's interesting about Arkansas and and Mississippi State. No one even talks about them, and both of those teams can make a case for having some strengths. I don't think they're as good as the other five, but, you know, you got to beat them. And, you know, if you told me that Arkansas knocks somebody off, if you tell me that Mississippi State knocks somebody off, I'm not surprised at all. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, like I said, this is as deep as as it's been. You know, Mississippi State's defense isn't bad. You know, it, really, it's it's kind of funny because it's up to Mike Leach to adjust his offense to figure out what's going to work in the SEC. Because 
after LSU, people figured out, you know, credit to, to Arkansas. They figured, you know, out what to do really quick. And then A&M went in and shut them down. And by that point, the secret was out. You know, just play back, play zone, tackle, because they're going to throw the ball short, and their offensive line isn't good enough to pass block. We've always talked about this, just we in general, all the facilities in the world at A&M, all the resources, all the money, no one's ever been able certainly not in the SEC era, to put it all together and make it happen. Are you starting to sense for the first time that Jimbo might actually be able to do that? Yeah, I'm starting to – this is probably the most confident I've ever been in this team. You know, I think that in 2013 there was a lot of confidence because of what Johnny Manziel had done the year before. But then kind of reality set in during the the first quarter of the first game. You went, the defense just doesn't have it. You know, this year the defense is as deep as it's been since the wrecking crew days. We're going back 20 years. Um, You know, and I think that 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 inherently – appeals to Aggies. You know, they want to see the good defense, and they've got that now. They've got the team speed. They're physical up front. They've done the things that they need to do to compete in the SEC. It's just, you know, can they take that final step? Can they beat Alabama? Because that seems to be the one thing, the remaining obstacle for them between being really good and being a top team. Crazy question here that you probably aren't prepared for, but I'll ask it anyway. A lot of eyes in Oxford this fall on Austin. People watching to see what happens with Steve Sarkeesian, his first year at Texas. They're in a recruiting battle you may have heard about with Arch Manning. (laughs) Uh, Everybody's keeping an eye on this, and Texas is one of the two teams that I think Ole Miss fans, if they're being honest with themselves, fear a little bit. What do you anticipate, not just this year, but in general as it pertains to Steve Sarkeesian and the Longhorns? I think one benefit that Sarkeesian has is that he worked for Nick Saban. And not necessarily that he worked for Nick Saban, but he found out what it takes to win with defense. Because Texas is soft. They are as soft as Charmin. And that is not anything new. They were under Charlie Strong. They were under Tom Herman. They've got to get physical. They've got to, you know, develop a physical mindset, get linemen, you know, that's something that they've done terribly with is recruiting offensive and defensive linemen. They've got to do that and then, you know, kind of develop, uh, I don't want to say an attitude because obviously Texas has more attitude than anybody <laughs> in the universe, but they've got to develop, they've got to redevelop a winning mindset. For know? the record, he did not have the horns down thing going while, while he said that. Is He was completely gesture free. That's true, but if I were to do a horns down right now, I'm waiting for the yellow flags because there's got to be an official around here somewhere. <laughs> but uh, you know, but that that kind of just shows the mindset that that team has, that they're offended by a hand signal that is not the middle finger. You know, who cares? You've got bigger things to do. If that upsets you, go bash somebody in the mouth. Don't go complain to the refs. And uh, I think that's the thing that, that Sarkeesian really needs to do is kind of develop that winning mindset again because there's pomposity, there's arrogance, there's self-assuredness, but they don't handle it well when they get hit in the, hit in the mouth. 
teams. You're not sold on them at all. No, not at all. I mean, they kind of remind me of Kevin Sumlin's A&M teams, you know, where it's like, if you look good, they got the swagger, you know, they got the helicopter and all that. And then they would go into Oxford or or, or Starkville, especially Starkville, and, and Dan Mullen's teams would hit him in the mouth and they couldn't respond. And then things would spiral. And I think that that could definitely happen this year where, you know, they've got Louisiana right off the bat. What's Billy Napier do? He plays physical. Punch you in the mouth. He That's their idea. You yep. in the mouth. And what are they going to do? Are they going to be able to hit back? Arkansas, then. Arkansas is not talented, like we said, but they're physical. They're going to hit you in the mouth. And then, obviously, Oklahoma is talented and is going to hit you in the mouth. Iowa State is the same way. You know, they have to be able to respond to what teams do, and that is something that they have not done for a long time. And I think that translates to recruiting as well. And if they can kind of develop that mindset, that winning mindset, that sense of confidence, then they could be a threat for somebody like an Arch Manning. But until that happens, you know, honestly, A&M is not really competing with Texas for that many players. You know, It's funny you say that because I was going to finish with this. Texas A&M and, and may have even, this is my perspective outside looking in, may have been years ago a notch below Texas. Now they're clearly notches ahead, being in the SEC, being competitive in the SEC. To win in the SEC, you've got to learn how to compete, obviously. Mm-hmm. Leads into this question. I ask you this every year that we do this interview, but I'm always curious to get your thoughts because you've pretty much nailed it every year. When that grant of TV rights is up here in two or three years, what do you think happens with the Big 12? What do you think happens with Texas? I could see the Big 12 dying. I honestly could because there aren't, there's no love lost between Texas and the other programs. Before it was Texas and Oklahoma against everybody. But now you're starting to see Oklahoma is looking like they could go and do their own thing, you know, but you've got other programs on the rise. You've got Iowa State, even though they're not a big, you know. That guy's done a great job. Yeah. Matt Campbell has done a fantastic job. Uh, You know, TCU has the Dallas market, which helps them. Uh, You know, there's always going to be a team or two that kind of just pops up on the radar for a little while and then fades away. But here's the thing. Even though Iowa State's done a great job, Oklahoma's established, Texas is whatever they are, what really keeps that conference together? Geographically speaking, it's an abomination. And there's just not a whole lot of money to be made there. Where is your primary market? TCU has Dallas-Fort Worth. Austin is pretty big. You know, and obviously they have sway in the rest of the state. But outside of that, you know, what is there? You know, and if another team or another conference comes calling for somebody like an OU in 2025 or, you know, maybe even Iowa State, Big Ten could just, you know, come and pluck them. What would Texas A&M's response be to OU SEC overtures, Texas SEC overtures? Two different responses, I'm guessing. Uh, Texas outright laughter, Oklahoma veto. Okay. Uh, I I don't think that they would would go for OU. Texas, I don't think, would ever want to go to the SEC. It would be a terrible fit culturally. I think they want to go to the Pac-12 if they if they were to do anything. Uh, OU, they might consider it, but if you have an advantage, and that advantage is a conference, why would you want to give OU that kind of step up when they really don't need it? So I think they would probably, you know, hit the brakes on that. And I don't think anybody in the SEC would want Texas at all. Interesting. Mark, as always, thanks for the time. You got it.
The Oxford Exxon Podcast is brought to you by Pinnacle. Pinnacle based in Madison, Mississippi. They have clients in more than 20 states, advisors in multiple states as well. They provide detailed, specialized investment management, financial planning, retirement planning for individuals and businesses, and much more. At Pinnacle, investing is treated like a commodity. Decisions are made using objective information and research, not emotions. So regardless of your level of wealth, Pinnacle will sit down with you, study your goals, study your expenses, and put forth a comprehensive, detailed financial and retirement plan built just for you. It's Pintrust.com, P-I-N-N Trust.com. Also brought to you by John Edwards of Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis. A lot of travel starting to open up now. A lot of uh, sports trips are available. Uh, get in touch with John. You're thinking about doing something here at the last part of the summer. You're thinking about planning a holiday vacation. Now's a great time to get in touch with him. Give him some parameters and a budget. Give him some options. And uh, then sit back. He will give you a... Uh, ton of ideas, specific options, and no, you don't have to live in or near Memphis to take advantage of his services. 901-494-3387 or send him an email at jedwards at regencytravel.net. First-time clients can save $50 off their first booked trip just by telling John you heard about Regency Travel on the podcast. We're also brought to you by Whitney McNutt of Tommy Morgan Incorporated Realtors, serving you for all your real estate needs in Oxford and Tupelo. Whitney sells condos, land, commercial, and residential family homes, 662-567-2573 or 662-842-3844. And we're brought to you by The Rogue. The Rogue is your destination for fine men's clothing. Their stylist hand-select pieces from top designers, from work to lifestyle to nightlife. There's the perfect something for everyone at The Rogue. All the best items from Peter Millar, Martin Dingman, Jack Victor, Halsey, True Grit, and more. Uh, all you have to do is um, know that the Rogue has delivered fine men's clothing for more than 53 years. Their classic style, attention to detail, and commitment to excellent service continues to make the Rogue a very special place to shop. 4450 I-55 North in Jackson or at therogue.com. And we're brought to you by Joey Erickson at Heron Gear Chevrolet in Jackson. Let Joey help you find the vehicle you're looking for at a price you can afford. Choose from a full selection of new Chevy vehicles or get a great deal on numerous brands of reliable pre-owned vehicles. Just give Joey a call or a text on his cell at 662-571-2367. Tell him what you're looking for. Stop by 1685 High Street in Jackson to test drive that new or used vehicle you've been wanting and let Joey earn your business. Tell him that you heard about this ad on the Oxford Exxon podcast or the Soft Verbal podcast and with any purchased vehicle, you'll get a $50 gas card. Brian Haydad covers Mississippi State, among other things, for Super Talk in Mississippi. Uh, Brian, thanks for joining on the podcast. Appreciate it. Anytime, Neil. Thanks for having me on. So let's talk about Mississippi State. I know that after a summer full of baseball and winning a national championship, that's where the buzz is. Has has the focus even begun to shift to football yet, or are we still in the afterglow stage? I, I think some of it will start today with talking with Mike Leach and all that. People will start hearing from him. But, yeah, it, it really has been on more of a back burner than it's ever been. I mean, even going back to, you know, spring football, the team was good. They were in the top five. Super Bowl dog weekend, Ole Miss was there. That was a top ten series. So there hasn't been a lot of focus on football since the end of the season. So this is really the start of it. So Mississippi State's been a real interesting team for me to look at because the comp- 
computers like them a lot. And when you look at them on paper, there are things that you see that you're like, yeah, I can see that. And then there are things on paper where you're like, I don't know. Like, I think they're going to be picked sixth probably by the media in the preseason. Yet the computers think they're a seven, eight win team. Just we'll get into some specifics in a minute, but just your kind of general overview of this team. What do you expect? It's kind of a both with what you just said. I think they're a seven win team and I have them six in the West because the West is just going to be pretty good this year. You know, Alabama, we all know what they are. A&M is going to be good. Ole Miss is going to be good. Auburn and LSU will be Auburn and LSU. State's non-conference schedule, they can get three, maybe four wins there and then they can find a way to win three in the conference. They, they get Vanderbilt this year. That helps a lot. Um, they should be improved offensively. Defensively, I think they should still be pretty good. Um, so, I think it'll take a step forward from last year. And that's the key is when you hire Mike Leach, you expect offense and you didn't have it last year they've got to be better offensively this year to set the tone and the, the, the stage for future success so I've covered Auburn I've covered Alabama I've obviously covered Ole Miss now for a while it, it's it's hard for me to get out of this mindset of you you can you can win offensively in this league without a running game and Mike Leach seemed to try that last year and it didn't really seem to work until late in the year do you anticipate more of a running game, or is this, hey, he's going to do, Mike Leach is going to be Mike Leach, and he's going to try to make it work? That's the question I've been getting the most since I've been over here. And I don't know that State will run more, but I think they will be more effective when they do run. Um, their offensive line last year, I mean, you saw it. It, it wasn't good. Right. You know, a lot of times it was five on three, and they were losing those battles. You, you can't do that with any offense in the SEC. Um, so I think, you know, Marks and Johnson are good running backs. They're a good combo inside, outside. I think they're both talented, and they can both be assets in the passing game. State just needs to know that when they do run the football, they're getting four and a half, five yards of carry. If they're doing that, they'll be fine running it however many times they want to run it. But, I mean, you go back to the, the LSU game. They threw for 623 yards. That's great. But you're not going to do that every game. They had 16 carries for nine yards in that game. Maybe we should have just said, eh, that's a little wrong and, and looked at it a little differently. I think State will be better running the ball, but are they going to run it more than 15, 16 times a game? Probably not. I know Jack Abraham joined that roster. Will Rogers played really well at the end of the season, do you anticipate a quarterback competition, or is that just kind of a, a pecking order that gets established? No, I do. I anticipate a competition. I don't. I think Will Rogers, if we started the season right now, would be the guy, but he's going to have to hold on to that role. Abraham and the freshman Sawyer Robertson are going to push him for that role. You mentioned the computers. That's a big reason the computers like Mississippi State is there are two starting quarterbacks worth of production on the roster with Abraham and, and Rogers, and a little bit more with that. There's a walk-on Chance Lovertich who was at South Alabama. State has three former starters. That's why the computers had them up earlier in the year. I anticipate that's going to be a, a battle. I won't be surprised if Abraham is the starter in game one. I won't be surprised with Robertson. I think Robertson, had he been here for spring, might already have the lead in that because he's just the most talented guy. He's the one that Leach targeted a, a year or so ago, right? I mean, he, so he's he's the guy of the future. Which is sort of funny to say because Rogers, you know, is technically still a freshman because he has the COVID year. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yes, I think that they, they want to build around Sawyer Robertson. He's the the, 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 the the guy that Leach has, yes, sort of targeted as the face of the franchise moving forward. But Will Rogers is going to make that tough for him because he's a, he's a good football player. So tell me about Mike Leach. When you, when you see him from the – from the outside, 
you know, even when he was at Washington State and all that stuff, it's kind of funny in yeah. the press conferences and stuff. I, yet I hear people who cover him are like, man, the press conferences can go forever. Sometimes they don't happen when they're supposed to happen. Sometimes they happen early. Sometimes they're an hour late. What's what's the day-to-day Mike Leach experience? You, you never – just don't, don't be in the Zoom when they tell you to be in the Zoom. Just wait for the text that says, we're on the way. Um, it's, it is very much like that. But once you get him in there, he'll answer your questions. And, and, you know, obviously he's going to slip and slide into off topics. There's just no helping that. But he's a, he's a fun coach to cover. You get, you get good quotes from him. You do get some fun with him. But at the same time, you know, I do wish he was, wish he was a little more punctual, I guess I could say. But, yeah, I enjoy covering Lynch. Defensively, I thought State was really good last year. Now, they lost some talent off that defense. What do you anticipate on that side of the ball this year? First off, let's make sure Zach Arnett does not hear us say that that defense was good. He'll come after us both. That guy does not like positive reinforcement uh, for his defense. I think they'll be good. Um, a lot of talent. You know, you know going back all the way to Mullen, that State's always recruited well defensively. Uh, Crumbity is a good player. Pickering, Aaron Brule, who we'll talk to today, is a stud. And then their corners, Emmanuel Forbes and Martin Emerson. I mean, I got into a little argument with Brody Miller of the Athletic a little bit this summer because I said, I think those two can go toe-to-toe with Stingley and Elias Riggs as far as how good they are. Uh, depth might be a little bit of an issue this year that they don't have the same kind of depth they've had in years past. And they don't have an elite defensive lineman like they've had with Simmons and Fletcher Cox and Chris Jones in the past. But they've got a lot of talent there. And, and that 3-3-5, it works. You know, we talked about Leach's system, but will it work in the SEC? People say the same thing about 3-3-5. Is it going to work? That you know, three-man front, everybody wants to run the ball. It worked. And I, I think Arnett's a really, really good coach and a really, really good coordinator. And I expect that, that defense to be pretty good this year. You know, it's funny. People do that about the five DBs. And if you look on the field, almost regardless of what team, everyone's going five DBs. No one's playing a, a real 4-3 or a real 3-4 because there's so much passing in the game today that you have to have those kind of more versatile safety types that can also guard in the slots and stuff. Everybody's doing that. I, I don't know why that the 3-3-5 three, three, or whether it's the 4-2-5 or whatever gets so much criticism. It's what you just said. It's 3-3 three, three versus 4-2. The fourth defensive lineman, people believe in that. Okay, okay, you got another big guy up there to control the line of scrimmage. Three defensive linemen, you're thinking, okay, do you have enough you know, size up front to, to move people around? And that's why it's so key for, for State to have Nathan Pickering, who opted out uh, midway through the year last year. He needs to come back strong because he can be that guy that sort of controls the middle and allows the linebackers, who I think are good, to, to be able to rush the passer and do what they're going to be able to do. You go back to 2018 when they had the, the best defensive defense in the country. It was all because they had Jeffrey Simmons in the middle. Everything started with two guys have to block Jeff Simmons, and that opens everything else up. If they can get two guys have to block Nathan Pickering, they'll be fine. There was a lot of questions about Mike Leach when he got the job, his personality. He's not from the South, et cetera. Can he recruit in Mississippi at a program that needs to recruit Mississippi? What are the early returns there? So far, so good. I mean, from a cultural standpoint, he's a laid-back, easygoing guy. He likes to be outdoors. He likes to fish. I mean, I just described a Mississippian, didn't I? Um, and then recruiting-wise, I think that they've done better than, than maybe a lot of people thought they were going to do. Uh, the current class is doing okay. I mean, two years ago, they were in the 50s at this time of year for recruiting. Right now, they're 
in the 20s wherever you look. Um, and they've, they've still got their, most of their big targets are sort of, still sort of out there. There's going to be some battles with Ole Miss for Xavier Harris. That'll probably go down to the wire. Uh, State would love to flip a guy like Larry Simmons from Ole Miss. I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but they would love to do it. Uh, Stone Blanton and guys like that. So they're doing well in Mississippi. They're doing well in Texas, which you would expect with Leach. He's still looked on a lot of respect. Their quarterback commit is from Texas. Last year's quarterback's commit, both of those guys were from Texas. Uh, and they've done well, you know, finding pieces around the South in Alabama and in Georgia, which is where states always made their money, finding the guys in Louisiana too. The guys that LSU, Alabama, Auburn, Georgia just don't have room for. If State is getting a bunch of guys who are like, Georgia liked them, but they just couldn't offer them, that's a winning formula for Mississippi State. So take me through the schedule. Sort of what do you what do you sort of expect? How do you what are the swing games that you look at and go, that's what's going to determine whether this is a good season or a great season or a bad season? You know, State has the opportunity to start strong and finish strong. The first three games are non-conference games. Now they're not pushover. I mean, as far as group, NC State's real, yeah. yeah. Well, you got as far as group of five teams go, you're playing Louisiana Tech and at Memphis. Those are not you know pushover games. And NC State's a good team, and then your fourth game is LSU. I mean, so you're going to know what Mississippi State is after the first four games. Are they are they three and one? Are they two and two? If they're one and three, it's going to be a struggle. And then to finish up the season, obviously they have the uh, week 12 game with Tennessee State. That's sort of the write off there. But it's Kentucky, Auburn, Arkansas, Ole Miss. That's four toss up games. I mean, Auburn's probably the least likely win in there. Arkansas maybe the most likely, but none of them are, are a lot more than 50 50. So State could start strong and finish strong in the middles where you're playing Alabama. Uh, and Texas A&M. So seven and five feels right to me. That's I had State six in the West. I, I think they're seven and five. If everything goes right, they could bunch up to eight nine wins. If they aren't better on the offensive line, they may be a four or five win team. And then year three for Mike Leach becomes: Is this going to work or not? So last question. I was curious get your thoughts on this. I've been asked this a couple of times this week. The whole Egg Bowl volatility. It did take a step down last. Year. Some of that was there was not as big of a crowd, but Lane and Mike like each other. They, they do barbs, but it seems to be pretty playful. Does that continue, or does it get ratcheted up, or what happens? It just depends. You know, I, we, we were saying that in 18 with Moorhead and Matt Luke. We're like, oh, these two guys don't even know each other, and it's all. And then we had a brawl in the middle of the game. Uh, 19, okay, it's gonna. And then you have Elijah Moore doing what he did. Last year, you know, I think part of that's what 12, 13,000 people in the stadium. You have a packed Vaught Hemingway in, in, a, in a competitive game, maybe things are a little different. I don't think the Egg Bowl rivalry is ever going to die down, especially amongst the fans. You know this and I know this. They hate each other. It's just as simple as that. As far as the teams go, I mean, you, you take your leadership from your leader. And Leach and Kiffin, you're right, aren't going to be those guys who are like, we're going, you know, the, the Mullen freeze days are over. Let's put it that way. Yeah. But I don't think the, the I think it might. The intensity doesn't go down, but maybe the volatility goes down a little bit. I said last question, one more quick one, completely off that topic. Yeah. Ole Miss, it's pretty obvious, is not all that close to the COVID threshold. I haven't heard anything about Mississippi State. What are you hearing there? How did, how have you kind of heard how Leach is handling that? That kind of thing. Obviously, we'll get a lot more clarity on that today with getting the chance to talk to him. And based on what I know of Leach politically, my guess is the state's under that threshold because it's not. he doesn't seem like the type of guy who would push, you know, you know that ideology makes a difference in that. So I would expect to find out today that State's under the threshold at this time. But as we, and we just talked to Commissioner Sankey for Sports Talk Mississippi, everybody's trending upward. I expect Mississippi State to be in that group as well. Brian, thanks for the time. Anytime. 
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.